Welcome to Spirit in a Nutshell. This is a podcast dedicated to awakening in an insane world. I'm your host, Jack Morgan, and today I'm going to be continuing where I left off in last week's episode, where I'm talking about my own personal experience of spiritual awakening so that you can get a sense of who I am and what my mission is, both in this podcast and in my work. So as a profession, I work as a professional spiritual healer and guide, and I'm putting together some courses which are specifically aimed at addressing some of the issues that I see in mainstream spirituality. In particular, I've seen that only a very narrow band of types of spiritual awakening are really seen as valid in mainstream spirituality. So briefly, if you're a man, then generally you're encouraged to be very detached from the world, very aloof. And if you're a woman, you're encouraged to be very loving, very kind, very compassionate. And although there's some variation in this and there's there's depth of awakening in certain places, my experience has been of that, those two things. And that's been a major problem for me in my life as I've been awakening and realizing that those aspects are only a small part of me and there are many parts of myself that aren't really accommodated by mainstream spirituality so i've created a system of spiritual awakening uh, based on the four elements so air fire water and earth And by using each of these elements as a template, I've found that I'm better able to understand who I am and to bring forward all parts of myself into the journey of awakening because all of these parts of myself are valid. No matter whether or not they are uh, minimized or demonized by mainstream spirituality. So that's a major focus in my life at the moment, putting this together and providing a course on elemental awakenings that you would be able to use in order to have a fuller experience in awakening that brings forth all of yourself in your own authenticity so that you can thrive as your own unique version of an awakened being, not having to limit yourself and fit yourself into the boxes um, that limited mainstream spirituality encourages you to fit into. So with that in mind, I'd like to continue where I left off at the end of last episode, at the end of the last episode, where I had just described the Kundalini awakening that I went through uh, about eight years ago, something like that, about eight years. 
So if you haven't already listened to that episode, I recommend that you go back and you have a listen to that first, because that will give you a more um, more background on on what I'm about to talk about. So I returned to my body after um, this very intense experience of passing through a tunnel of death, essentially, and blending with an orgasmic golden light. And when I came back from that, I was in my body. My body was absolutely drenched in sweat and my spine was at an unusual angle. It was very straight, like straighter than I think it's ever been. And I was um, feeling the same orgasmic energy, this that same orgasmic golden energy just flying up and down my spine. At the time, I hadn't heard anything about Kundalini energy. So it was an unusual uh, situation to find myself in, to essentially be having an orgasm uh, just flying up and down my spine. And it was very, very intense. And it was just quite exhausting. And after a while, it, it calmed down and slowly started to reduce. And when it did, uh, when it had completely gone away, I just fell asleep. I was completely knocked out. I was so exhausted by this experience. What was interesting then was after that had happened, I started to have um, what I think of as aftershocks. So for the following few nights, I would go back into similar states of consciousness. Um, one example, I was laying in my bed and I was just remembering what had happened and what it felt like. And I wanted to experience it again because it was just such a intense and interesting experience. I, I wanted more of it. So I started to imagine what it felt like. And as I imagined it, I felt this spiraling sensation at the base of my spine like a, a pleasant sexual sensation, just spinning. And then it uh, began to rise just by itself. And before I knew it, I was going back into that um, kind of kundalini energy where it was going up and down my spine. And I had another experience when I was sleeping where I went back into the tunnel of light, and, well, the tunnel of darkness and light, and this time I went up to the threshold and I couldn't muster the strength to get over the line by myself. So then I experienced the uh, sensations of uh, it all reducing again. So rather than crossing over into the light, it just kind of backed off as if um, the experience itself had some kind of intelligence and was saying, okay, he's not ready for this. We'll just um, let him go. So that happened for a little while with these aftershocks. And the the real big thing that happened afterwards, which for me was bigger than the actual experience itself, as 
uh, kind of intense and mind-blowing as it was, it was the way that my consciousness had now been changed as a result of being in the light. I began to experience the world in a different way. It was... Um, well, it took a while for me to really notice, but I remember when I was at my brother's house um, in London, at the time I lived in London as well, and I went to see him, and I was just in his apartment, looking around, not really doing anything, and I noticed that there was like a static that I could see in my eyes, like a vibration. And it looked like there was just like a film of golden light just vibrating constantly over everything. Like it was inside my eyes, you know, like it was on my retina because it didn't it doesn't have any depth or anything and i remember thinking that was unusual um, but i didn't mention it to my brother or anything i thought you know he's just going to think i'm crazy um but since then like that has never stopped so i you know i'm looking around my room right now and i can see the same thing so I can see it's like um, it's like a, on those old TV sets. If you remember the old TVs that had like the really big back before we had like LCD and everything. Um, it's like one of those when you had it on the like the wrong channel. It wasn't tuned in. You just have like loads of black and white static. It's like if you imagine that, but the, the static is really, really small, like really refined. And instead of it being black and white, it's just golden white and it's just pulsing in and out really fast. Like, so that's what I see. I see it all the time. If my eyes are open or closed, I just constantly see it. Um, and I, I, um, I heard about this study that uh, some scientists did where they, they got a bunch of uh, people who were considered like expert meditators, like I'm not sure exactly like what that means, but uh, basically some people who were pretty spiritually evolved and they brought them in and they were measuring some of their brain waves and they asked these meditators to tap on a button in time with um, these uh, in time with their brain waves, which shouldn't be possible. Like no one should be able to accurately be able to tap in time with their brain waves. Like we aren't aware of what what our brain waves are doing. Um, but when I read about that study and I started seeing the, you know, these pulsing lights, it reminded me of that. And I wonder if, in some way, I'm having a visual experience of something that's happening inside my brain. Like, am I seeing the pulsing of my alpha waves in my brain? And if I were to tap a button 
in time with it, would it sync up with the frequency of those waves, like the meditators in this study? So I've got no way of testing that, obviously, um, because I don't have a <laughs> like an ECG to scan my brain. Um, but I thought it was interesting. Uh, one of the other things with this visual side of the experience, there's the kind of this film of of static that I've mentioned, but there's also uh, like a band of light energy that I see coming out of everything. It's like around every object that I look at. And that came on around the same time as the static. Uh, I just started to see it around everything. Um, and it's a strange thing because I'm focusing on it right now. So I, once it started, I've, it's never stopped. So right now I'm looking at this mirror that I have on the wall and I'm looking at the edges of it and I can see these bands of uh, my golden white light and I'm looking at them and I'm trying to convey to you what this experience is like because it's, um, it's not just that I'm seeing it like it, like it's visual and it's in the outside world. What's difficult to describe about this experience is that I don't just see it as being something outside of myself. So I experience it as being inside myself at the same time. I feel like this layer of light energy is somehow part of the non-dual reality of existence. And that the reason that I can see it is because the awakening that I went through activated something in my spiritual heart where my soul resides. And my soul isn't just something that exists inside me, but is present in everything in the world. And the soul of the things that in to my mind and my perception seem external to me are truly a part of that same non-dual reality. So what I believe is happening is that some kind of awakening and greater level of awareness became activated within my heart and connected to my eyes so that I can see with my heart and by seeing with my heart I'm able to see the soul, the soul light that shines within and around everything. So I'm looking at that now in this apparently inanimate object of this mirror. <laughs> it's appropriate that it's a mirror. Um, and I can, I can see the light and I can feel it inside myself and I feel one with it. And it's a lovely feeling. Um, ever since this happened, I've been kind of transfixed by things. And I spend a lot of time just looking at things from this place within my heart. I'm quite a quiet, introverted person. And at the time when this first began, I was working in London as a psychological researcher. And I remember taking uh, extra long lunch breaks 
where I would just walk through the park and just take everything in because this light even though it's always like golden white it's different at different times and in different things so if I'm looking at a tree for example there's a special type of light soul light that shines within a tree and yeah, that's a difficult thing to articulate why it's different and what qualities it has but it's like there's a greater vibrancy in the light of a tree as opposed to the table or the mirror that I'm looking at with a tree there's just something different it's like it's more alive it's more vibrant and the bands of light have these uh, special qualities to them they're I don't know how to describe it but they're they're just more vibrant and I just started falling in love with trees after this kundalini experience happened and my eyes and my heart started going through this visual awakening experience and that was a very special experience but it opened up into something new something else like the way that i was attending to plants and the way that the kundalini had opened my mind i now became able not only to see this soul light within the tree but to be able to have a form of communion with the tree so there was a time where i was walking through this park on my lunch break and I was looking at one of the trees, this might make me cry talking about this, I was looking at one of the trees and the tree said to me, ground in my roots. Like it knew me. And it's strange to call it an it. It doesn't make any sense. They, they knew me. And it was mind-blowing because I could feel how sincere their energy was and their intent was and how natural it was that they would wish to ground me that they're giving me something for free just because I am their kin and they've known this all this time the trees have known our relationship with them and all the trees that I've been around growing up have known this relationship with me but my mind was not capable of reciprocating that relationship and then to be in a situation where it's naturally arising I am reciprocating the relationship. I can hear what they're saying. I can finally 
have a relationship with trees and over the years what that has become is this deep understanding that the trees are our ancestors they are our elders they've been here for far longer than human beings have been here and they've been a guiding presence to us as we've slowly evolved and devolved into so-called civilization so what i experienced in communion with that tree in effect was a stepping back in time so rather than walking forwards into the modern era what i've realized is that i'm actually walking forwards into ancient times the ancient times of my own ancestors who would communicate with the trees and know the right relationship that we have with the trees so that's a slight di digression but i think a really important one and also so alongside this light that i was seeing and this growing sense of telepathic communication with trees which i'll just elaborate on a little more it's the way that i experience that is like there's an energetic exchange between myself and the tree and the tree's energy has a unique quality or signature to it that i can sense inside my body and my mind and through some intuitive process that just came came online naturally i was able to translate that energy into words so that i could understand it but primarily the communication itself is just a flow of energy back and forth which feels more like an emotion than it does a thought so that's how i experience that kind of um telepathic um ability so one of the the kind of difficult things to convey with that kind of communication is how rapid it is so i can have a conversation with a tree that maybe lasts about 3 seconds but if i were to convert it into words it might take um maybe 20 or 30 seconds to say everything it's kind of i don't know if this will translate well over audio but it's like um i'll be like oh okay what's this and then they'll be like oh it's that and then oh okay yeah oh now it's that oh right yeah i got it you know it's something like that but then if i translate it into words it's something like well so how do your roots allow my energy to become better like how does that benefit me uh and then they would say oh well we take your energy because all of life is part of one flow of energy and then we ground that into mother earth because you and i we are both gaia 
both of us are Gaia. So there's a very simple flow here. It's like, oh, so that's why you're so willing to do this for free because we're all part of the same one living spirit of this world. Yes, that's exactly right. That's why we want to do it for free. And we love you, our brother. We'll care for you. Just come to us anytime. Our door is always open. You know, so I hope that gives some kind of indication of what that experience is like, you know, and how rapid it is, where it's just like, mm, yeah, uh, uh, mm, mm, yeah, got it. But, you know, in in human terms, that can be translated in a in a very different way. And I'm sure those of you who who have uh, a similar experience to this know what I'm talking about. Uh, and if you if you haven't had a similar experience to this, this I don't even know what this must sound like to you. Um, but I would genuinely love to hear if you have had this kind of experience or if you haven't and um, just want to let me know what that's like. If you're watching this on YouTube, then please just leave a comment and let me know. And if you're watching on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, then then please leave a comment there. Or you can head over to my Facebook, which is just Jack Morrigan on Facebook. As far as I'm aware, I'm the only uh, Jack Morrigan on there. Um, and send me a message or comment on one of my posts, because I... I'd really like to create some kind of um, community around this where where people can start talking about their experiences. And I know there's lots of places where that can happen, but I would love that to happen um, in these spaces that I'm creating. That would be wonderful. So please do that if you feel moved to. So there's the trees, there's that whole... You know, there's so much to say uh, with the trees that I'm really only scratching the surface here. But something that I did want to talk about in this episode is something that isn't really talked about very much, as far as I've seen anyway. I was only made aware of this topic very recently and the topic is spirit marriage. And again, this is going to be one of those topics that's going to be difficult for me to uh, talk about without crying because it's something that's very close to my heart. Um, but just to give a little bit of background, so when I started uh, having these telepathic experiences, not long after the Kundalini awakening, I came across a video by um, the channel called Paul Selig. And in this video, the guides that he channels came through him and they were talking to this woman and they said, we're always available to you. Just reach out to us and you can connect with us. So what Paul was doing was he was serving as a conduit between these spiritual beings and the human world and allowing them to speak through him so that they could communicate with other human beings. 
And I was amazed by this. Um, if you've ever seen anything by Paul Selig, I th I'm sure you would have a similar experience where you can see how genuine he is um, and very open-hearted human being. And I was really touched by his sincerity and his willingness to do something which could be seen as so strange and could leave him open to so much judgment. So I was very impressed and I, I was inspired and I wanted to do the same. I wanted to try and connect with my guides. And so I did, um, I did reach out and to my surprise, I think probably because I had just gone through such a powerful uh, energetic experience, when I tried to connect with them, it happened instantly, near enough instantly. Um, and it started with me, uh, I noticed that I was talking to myself in my mind, asking myself questions about things. And in response to these questions, my head would start nodding or shaking. And it took me a moment to realize that this was happening. But when I did, I was like, hang on, is this my guides? And then my my head nodded. I was like, wow, okay. So I'll, at some point I'll come back to that because there's a whole there's a whole kind of conversation around it. But I just want to go, I want to fast forward a bit because my relationship with my guides built over time so that I was having regular communication with these um, other otherworldly beings. That led into me discovering the deity called Kali, who is a Hindu goddess of, I don't know how you would describe her, maybe um, justice and dark feminine rage and power. Very, very powerful goddess. And I intuitively started to connect with her and built a relationship with her where she explained to me who she is in ways that were different from my conception of her. Like I saw, because I saw these images of her, where if you've ever seen an image of Kali, it's probably stayed with you with her tongue out and her eyes bulging out of her head and her many limbs all holding different weapons and the severed heads of men that she's decapitated to um, sever them from their own ignorance. She's a brutal looking person in these images. And I do call her a person deliberately just to highlight the fact that she's an actual living being, not some imaginary figure. Um, but my relationship with her was very different to these images that I was seeing and, and later the way that other people would talk about her. I, w I would start imagining her in my mind as being far more ferocious than she was and that would kind of taint her energy and make it seem like that's how she was. But she would notice that my mind was doing this and she'd come into my mind more forcefully and say, no, 
No. Mother Kali. Mother Kali. Because she's, oh, she's so deeply connected to us that we don't understand. Like we think that she's this separate being, but she isn't. She's a part of Gaia, our mother, a part of the root chakra of our world. And she's one of the threads of Gaia's root chakra, which makes her mother Kali. She's mother Kali and has a far more nurturing and motherly side than is often depicted. So that was um, part of how my relationship with the dark feminine and with Kali began. And then a few years ago, I was uh, doing anti-racism work and connecting with my own ancestry and felt that, along with the guidance of my ex-partner at the time, felt that it would be more appropriate that I shift my attention away from Kali, who is really associated with India and a land that's distant to my own homeland. So instead of putting my attention there, I shifted it back to my own homeland to find a deity that had a similar energy that I could relate to, but who was part of me, part of my own body and my own land. And that led me to discover the Morrigan, who is a Celtic deity of death, sex, and magic. The Morrigan was probably worshipped on the land that I'm on right now, in Gloucestershire, England, by the Dabuni Celts who lived here in pre-Roman times and then were occupied by the Romans. The Dabuni Celts um, lived on this land and were likely an earth-honoring pagan people and could have easily worshipped the Morrigan as one of their principal deities. So it feels very fitting for me to be connected with her. Now, I'll only briefly touch on this now and then I'll elaborate on it in a future episode. But just to quickly say that when we have these types of spiritual connections with deities or with otherworldly beings, they can become something so intimate that they are a real romantic relationship where we experience genuine love and connection with this being. And in uh, the book, uh, Spirit Marriage, I forget the name of the author, but there's a book called Spirit Marriage where she talks about this process and how it's existed in cultures all around the world where certain highly sensitive people would become married to 
spiritual beings and deities. And what I realized in, in, in forming this connection with the Morrigan was that I had taken her name because it felt like such a right thing to do and my relationship with her was so intimate. It just felt like the right thing to do. And then over time, there became a sexual quality within the relationship, a tantric sexual quality where we would be intimate with one another. And that, that's continuing to evolve in me, in my life and with her. And it's something that I want to speak about because not many people talk about this, but I know for a fact that there are people who will be listening to this who are having this experience. So I just want to share some camaraderie with you so that you know that you're not alone in this. And if there's some part of you that thinks that you're crazy, then you're not crazy. This is real. And this is something that should be nurtured because the the relationships between the, the divine realms and the human realms are so fertile and can bring so much to our world, which is in such desperate need of it right now. So I really want to give uh, some mention to that. But I'm out of time now, so I'll continue with this in another episode. So thank you so much for joining me. This has been Spirit in a Nutshell, the second episode. And as always, we're looking at how to awaken in an insane world. I'm your host, Jack Morrigan. And if you'd like to find out more about my work and the Elemental Awakenings work that I'm building at the moment, then you can head over to my website, www.jackmorrigan.com, or you can head over to my Facebook where I regularly post updates about everything that I'm doing, and that's Jack Morrigan on Facebook. So thank you very much for joining me, and I look forward to seeing you again in the next episode. Goodbye.